Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about writing challenges, and specifically, we're going to talk about the Big Moxie, which is a new challenge that we're going to launch in December um, of this year. To to it's going to take place all year next year, um, and one of the reasons we were thinking about why why we came across this idea is because we know that there are a lot of people on our servers who don't participate in the quantum bang, who don't participate in rough trade. So we're trying to figure out a way to be more inclusive and to, in, to encourage people to join us in our, uh, in our journey as writers and in fandom, there are a lot of different challenges, but most of them are really, what's what I'm looking for? Intense? Narrow. Oh, narrow. Okay. They're narrow. I mean, because like they're they're fandom specific. Um, they have oh, a very yeah. small window. Uh, some of them have big word counts. Some of them have small word counts. Um, they're not always organized well. Um, they have really weird rules and structures, and uh, you know sometimes. Sometimes they're for a yeah, very sometimes they're a, long a, a single a single pairing, and sometimes you know the last thing you need is somebody micromanaging. Your, your journey as a writer. In fact, honestly, that's the last thing you need every fucking day. And so we were talking about what to do with that. And um, I realized that rough trade is intimidating for a lot of people. Honestly, coming into this new challenge in November, I'm a little intimidated. And not it's because the of nudity. the format. I'm very used to the format. This is our... Yes, the nudity. It's the 10-year um, anniversary of rough trade. So I'm not... Um, I participated in every challenge, even though I kind of had to bail on a couple because of health issues. Um, but that part doesn't make me nervous. You know, being naked as a writer on Rough Trade doesn't bother me a bit. Um, you're going to see my misspellings and my errors and my misuse of commas and ellipses and M dashes. Um, <clears throat> and that's fine. I don't care. Julie cares. I don't care. I, I, I don't. I actually, I don't care that you'd be rough dressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ones I keep <clears throat> all the way to my final draft that drive her nuts. But I love an M dash. Anyways. That, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, I love my unnecessary ellipses. I've even accepted that most of them are unnecessary. <laughs> Fuck you, Grammy. Still going to use them. I turned it off. I, tr I turned that feature off in Grammarly, so it can't tell me when I'm using unnecessary ellipses anymore. So fuck them. I need to figure out. I need to figure out where to turn that off because it's letting me turn other stuff off, but it hasn't let me turn that warning off yet. Fuck on that the on the actual website, and anything you check off on the website follows you into the plugin if you're logged in, and you and you have to be logged in to use it anyway. I'd have to have words with you, Chris, because <sighs> I fucking love a semicolon too. I do love a semicolon. Um. And Chris I, does. Chris loves commas almost as much as she loves blowjobs. <laughs> um, oh God, is that three-year-old still here? <laughs> semi. The thing about semicolons, I love appropriately used semicolon. When semicolons are used incorrectly, I lose my mind. Um, but so we know, and like you know, for me, November's kind of pushing my buttons in a couple areas. Number one. I've been very successful so far this year with my story and with the challenges I have. I, I mean, I knocked April out of the park. I was on point in July and how here's November. 
the third story in a series during National Novel Writing Month. And I'm doing something I've never done in Harry Potter before. And so it's a little... Mm, anyways, I understand at some level the stress that comes with rough trade. And for some people, it is insurmountable. And we get that. But we also want to have environments where people can participate. Uh, Crossroads, I mean, not Crossroads. Um, Quantum Bang has a large work count. That's intimidating as fuck too. And some people are never going to get there. They are more comfortable in the novella format. We do have different ways to do that on Quantum Bang now with different word counts. Um, you can do like a novella series. Um, what, what, were the, what, what were the options, Jilly? Uh, novel series. You can do individual novels, novel series, or novella series. Those are the options. Okay. So, yeah, there but are you, a couple of different options, but, but you, you still have to hit that 50K. It's 50k, and the novella series can be up to five novellas. It's the only thing that can you can stretch to five parts, but you have to hit 50k total, and the minimum word count for each piece has to be at least 17k because there is no such thing as a novella that's shorter than 17k. No, because that's a short story, yeah, and not a chapter. Okay, <laughs> oh, fandom. Um, well, what I say about nothing I've ever done in HP before is I'm doing physical time travel to the Marauder era. Era, Even though I don't intend to focus on the Marauders at all, because that doesn't really appeal to me, um, I am going to be putting my characters down in 1975 Britain during the start of the Blood War. Um, and that's not something I've ever done before. I mean, when I've done time travel, it's usually, it's, 100% always soul regression. Um, so they drop into a younger body. Well, they're drop they're dropping into time in a time period where they're not even born yet. And yeah, it's I remember we yeah, the funny thing is I remember when we talked about this when we when we when we talked about it, we realized we were going to do physical time travel. You had this moment of like you were like deeply uncomfortable. And I was sitting there going, God, who would want to write a story set in the 70s? And then I was like, what difference does it make? This is Wizarding Britain, it all is the same. <laughs> right? Since, that, the, that, since, yeah. since the yeah. since the since the fourteen hundreds, it hasn't changed much. Um they've At gotten all. indoor plumbing, but other than that, you know, it's basically the same. Um so you know, I actually I don't expect any bell bottoms because when I mean because apples. they're already dressing like the Victorian age anyway. I don't see them. I don't see. I don't see ha that fashion has changed at all inside the wizarding world. It might be different outside, but are they going to go outside that much? Um, and if they are, they're not going to be dressed casually because they'll be working, so they'll be in suits, um, which doesn't lend itself to disco wear. Uh, but. <clears throat> I don't intend to focus on the Marauders at all. I doubt, honestly, any of them will appear on screen. Uh, because there's only one reason to go to Hogwarts, and that's to re re retrieve the Horcrux. And they're not going to do that in a situation where they'll see anybody. That'll be something they're going to sneak in and do. And also, they have to um, take care of the snake. Uh, I was say, there's a basilisk down in the Yeah, they might want to take care get. of that shit, too, while they're there. <laughs> but I don't want Harry to kill her. Uh, is it a her or is it a him? I thought it was a her, but it might. Did it have the plume? I think it's her. I, I always thought it was a her because it didn't have that that little plume on its head, right? <clears throat> so I don't want to kill her this time. I I want to get her out of the school without killing her. So that's the goal there. Um, that is ridiculous. Uh, but I so just the actual physical time travel has kind of messed me up. So I'm coming into November. 
a little nervous. And also because I kind of wish I'd struggled a little bit earlier in the year. Because now I feel like all I have left is struggle. Well, you're anticipating struggle. And the only reason you aren't thinking you're going to struggle is because you had to replot because you plotted curtain fic in. But, you know, that's not the same thing as you're actually going to struggle. Yeah, I know. I know. So, but I do understand on some level the the stress of participating in Rough Trade, doing it in an environment where um, it's, I think you know, Kira can Kira conceived this challenge. I vividly remember how stressful my first Rough Trade was and I how I was biting my nails down to the first word written and, you know, um, art, art, you know. <laughs> Because I didn't know I could just slap up some random old picture. I thought I had to go produce art. I was like, this is bad enough having to write naked in front of people. I don't don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know anybody in these fandoms. It was so tragic. I felt very sorry for myself. Um, So I remember remember how stressful it was the first time. And so I get it. I I, I get it. It's, It's a lot easier. It's a lot you're a lot of stressful about it, lost stressed about a challenge that you are in, that you're running, that you're in control of, you know. I mean, I certainly, I think my, my, the quantum bang was a lot less stressful for me, despite all the problems that we had the first jump than it was for the people who were participating. Um, oh, bless your hearts. Bless your hearts. I love y'all. There's a reason you don't get to do your own posts anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, um, but I mean, I remember how stressful it was. So we, we were talking about like that for whatever reason, most of the challenges are stressful to some degree. And also in challenges where there's an art, there there's something a lot of people are really motivated by the art and um, the pairing of art and story. And that is a real fun, fun aspect. I, I will I will go with you that. But it can also be its own source of stress. And sometimes a really painful source of stress, like in challenges where a story doesn't get picked or where art doesn't get picked or where, for whatever reason, the person is disappointed with the art or the story or whatever. It just winds up being its own emotional landmine. So we were talking about all of these sources of stress and how many of them can we take out. Now, for some people, they would want no challenge periods to get rid of all the stress. They would want no signups and no challenge periods and no posting periods. And da, 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 da. Well, then how the fuck but is that take, a challenge? Right. But when you take all the structure out, it's not a challenge. So we were like, what is, what is, what is the structure that seems to help most people? And from my experience, the things that seem to help most people is having some, some set of defined dates, signing up, and then some way of staying engaged through the challenge period. And then we just t- took, tried to take out, as like I said, as many of the stress points as we possibly could. Um, and that's, this is where we got. So what we've done is we've divided the year into quarters. Um, and each quarter has a theme. And you can write, uh, you can write whatever you want to, but each theme has a posting period. So during, um, between January... Quarter one, our theme is Canon Divergence. And at the end of the quarter, between March 15 and March 31st, you will post your fix wherever you post your fix. And then we'll have a page on just uh, writing and junk where you can come post your link. And we'll create a um, massive list of, hopefully, a massive list of stories that got complete in that theme. 
And then we'll move to the next one. So we have four challenges next year on the Big Moxie. Um, but your minimum word count is 5K. And you can participate in one or all four. You can write five stories for each theme, or you can write one story for each theme. Or you can write one story for one theme and consider yourself a fucking success. So it's about being comfortable. And it's about... But it's also about giving you a little bit of structure and a little bit of inspiration. So we picked themes that were really popular on Rough Trade. We picked Canon Divergence, Phantom Fusion or The Sentinel, Shifter or Paranormal. And then, and then the last quarter of the year, we're going to do Soulmates again, which I think people love Soulmates. And it's always fun to write. And that's a good time to write it at the end of the year. And <clears throat> really, it's about... No, when you sign up for, uh, we'll have two Google Forms. We're going to do, in December, we're going to do the first Google Form. And that will be for quarter one and quarter two. And you'll have a checkbox. You can either check one or two. You can check both. And if you don't do both, that's fine. There's no penalty. If you if you sign up for, sign up for both, but you only submit one, we're not going to track it. We don't, it's fine. This is just about you setting a goal for yourself. This is about personal goals and um, expanding yourself as a writer and just having a process that really works for you. Um, there will be a Google form that you'll have a link to that you'll fill out. It, it'll have um, your name, your email address, and then it'll have a couple of check boxes where you can either check, you know, quarter one, quarter two for the themes. And it'll be really simple. And at um, the only time we're really going to look at it is when it comes time for posting. I'll call all the email addresses and send you guys an email saying, hey, we're getting ready to post. Here are the dates. Here's the page. Here's the AO3 collection. Show us what you got. And we're going to give a posting window. You can post any time in the window. It has to be within the window. There will be no signups. For posting dates, there'll be no, so people who like, some people always like to post early because their story's been ready for weeks. People always like to post on the last fucking day. I predict, you know, 75% of the posts will be split between the first two days and the last two days. and It'll be very quiet in between, but such is life. Um, but you can post any time in the window. So there'll be no pressure to pick a date, no, ready, no pressure to be ready by a date. You just have to have posted by the end of the posting window. That was it. Um, and as long as you can get 5k done, your story will qualify. And if you get it done this year, cause you'll know what the themes are. If you get it done this year and you're willing to sit on it until next year, it doesn't matter. We don't act. It could actually be something that's been sitting on your hard drive for 10 years. I don't Congratulations. care as long, <laughs> as long as you've never posted it before. It'll be great. It'll be fine. Also, that actually is a good way to kind of work on your work in progress folder to go through and see what matches these themes and try to finish them up throughout the year to so that you can link them on the posting window. Congratulations. You have finished a work in progress and completed a challenge at the same time. You're a rock star. Um, you can also, as far as I'm concerned, double up and satisfy your bingo squares with these these stories. So <laughs> some other people, some other challenges. We don't care if you satisfy another challenge with these, but other challenges might care. You need to understand the rules of any other challenges you're participating in. Um, let's see. So the goal is for it to be low stress and fun, um, but still providing enough structure to feel like a challenge uh, and not an in naked public challenge. So it is a finished, 
it is a finished work challenge like the quantum bang or any other bang, but it is a, um, it is not a, um, it is not a bang in the sense that we won't be providing art or anything like that. But if art um, is a really, is a big deal, something you'd really like to have, you're really proud of whatever story you finish. Um, there are a lot of people who do art over on Just Right, and you can, um, we can set up a channel for people to work on art for their stories. So that's something we can also help facilitate. We just don't want to do any kind of official, um, because the art process can be its own source of stress. We don't want and to so make that. so art official. is not a requirement. It's not a requirement. It's not something you have to do. And we wouldn't want to make it an official part of the thing because um, we don't want people stressing about that. You know, because it can be very stressful. And it's, um, I honestly never, let me tell you what, let me tell you what art happened on Rough Trade. Um, art happened on Rough Trade because I wanted it to look pretty. And that's it. That's, that's the only reason. Yeah. And it looks very pretty. There are times when it's just like scrolling down the, the, the project file list. It's like, look at all that pretty art. I love it. Um, Drabble, I think of, I think of Drabble as being shorter. I think of Drabble as being under a thousand words, but I could be. I agree. I agree. I, 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 I do think that. Drabble. I have to Google what is a Drabble. Well, some, some site, some site, this site says a Drabble is either exactly a hundred or exactly a, exactly 300 words, but. I always considered a hundred words a flash fic. But this this other site says uh, Drabble is has to be no more than a thousand words. Okay, so this other another site says a Drabble, a true Drabble is exactly one hundred words always. So I mean, so there you got three definitions: one hundred words, three hundred words, less than a thousand. But it is not a two thousand or three thousand words. When I was uh, younger, we used to do flash fic challenges like in writing groups and they were usually between 100 and 500 words but i, thought I never heard the word drabble until i got into fandom so i'd heard it before fandom but it is a very specific type of writing style which is why i'd, I'd always associate it with the 100 word thing but then when i first got into fandom i had heard that it was under a thousand words and people just really started confusing me about these word definitions but anyway um drabbles wouldn't count this would be a sh the, the big moxie is a short story challenge, so five thousand word plus, or it could be short stories, novellas, or um, novels. novels. Knock your ass out. You could you could even write an epic if you wanted to. I don't care, but your minimum is five k. And the reason we did that is because we want it to be accessible, while still encouraging certain amount of actual story craft because in a hundred words you don't really have story craft you've got a different kind of craft to put out something that's a hundred words but you're not really telling um that there's not really story craft in a hundred words it's a different kind of word economics to tell any kind of scene or tale in a hundred words i my shortest fic on my site is 500 words i think i actually did a database Mine is exactly 300 words. It's 300 words to the word. My Yeah, my smallest fic is 500 words. And it is coffee and tea. And it's an NCIS fic. Um, it's Mothership. But I have three that are in that 500 range. The Boy I'm Gonna Marry, which is Harry Hermione. The Train, which is Harry Hermione. And Coffee and Tea, which is Steve and Tony. Um, and frankly, I, most of my... Most of my works that are under a thousand words are in that or in that little short range 
were, were for challenges that we did on Rough Trade. Were for prompts, yeah. Yeah, prompts. And I just, um, it isn't, I find it deeply unsatisfying. And there is honestly nothing worse than getting on AO3 and seeing a 30-chapter story with 100-word chapters. My eyeball just got stuck. Oh, my God. <sighs> Uh, no, I won't. Tim, you don't need to worry about me ever writing Tony Genozo Steve Rogers because I don't ship Steve Rogers with anybody anymore. I had one story and it is unfinished and it will remain unfinished. Um, because I think Steve Rogers is a punk. <laughs> he doesn't deserve to get laid ever. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. So when we talk about Steve Tony, I actually if I'm if I'm not talking about Denozo and McGarrett, I will clarify that I'm not talking about Denozo and McGarrett. But that's when I when we talk about Steve Tony, that's who I'm always talking about. Steve McGarrett, Tony Stark. I wouldn't be talking about that either. Uh, uh, uh. No, that isn't me at all either. I'm just going to put you in this in the corner now, Tim. That's just I don't know where your brain's going. Yeah, Rogers Denozo. I have a that that familial thing is now baked into my brain. If it, you know. I can't read them banging. I, um, someone asked me if, um, in private, if, if I'm going to write for the big moxie. Absolutely. I got, I got time on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> in my spare time. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I was looking at my numbers. Hold on. Um, and I've written, well, I've completed 451,000 words this year. That, that's completed works. And I don't know what my, um, I have to go on to my, I have to go to the bot. Hold on. I'll tell you. Um, and this is, you know, I was, uh, I wrote an article, which I have not posted. Um, my, so I'm 451, I'm 451,000 words published, completed, published. And I am 567,000 words for the year. Um, and the way I, I, I have an article about this and what I did to do this, um, and it's not about having a big goal every day. It's I've set my word count goal every day for 500 words. Um, and this tiny goal for me is uh, it's very, I, I feel very relaxed about it. I don't worry about it. I exceed it most days. But if I don't exceed it, I'm okay with that. Um, my average word count on any given day is probably between three and 5,000 words. Uh, but if I don't get there, that's okay. Because my goal, my goal every day is 500 words. And there's really something awesome about being told you're 200% over your goal for the day. <laughs> Even knowing your goal is like 500 words. <laughs> and it's, I think setting a setting a low goal, um, kind of like, well, number one, it, it lowers the stress, and it creates a um, for me, it's, it creates something amusing. My statistics, you know, because I'm 120, 140 percent over my goal, which is ridiculous because my goal is tiny, right? But it's it, it it amuses me, and then I don't feel like I am working. <clears throat> so setting yourself a tiny goal. 250, 500 words. That's, you know, it's reasonable. You can handle that. You can do that in a couple of sprints. You can do that in a half hour, two hours, an hour. And 
and then you've accomplished something, you've done something, and you're great. You can move on. Because setting a big goal and not reaching that goal continuously every fucking week is hell. So you shouldn't set a goal for yourself that's just going to make you feel like shit. And if you write 500 words a day for 30 days, what's that? What's that math? How many words a day for how long? 500. 30 days? 15,000. Mm-hmm. So if you do that the first month of next year, you will have created three, you could have created three fix for the big moxie. Or you can create one big fix. <laughs> you, do you see what I mean? Like this tiny goal, you keep building. And if you wrote 500 words every day for the whole year, that's 182,000 words for the year. That's two full-length novels, y'all. Plus a little bit. Because the average commercial lo- novel is between 75 and 80K. Unless you're writing science fiction or fantasy, and then 182 is about the length of a science fiction or fantasy novel if you're going to get out there and throw some science around, have some swords, some orcs. But if you're getting paid by the word... Well, romance novels can be like a- more like fifty to six, 40 to 60K. Right. So, but 500 words a day... 182 um, K basically. But even if you only write five days a week instead of seven days a week, you're just, just giving yourself that, you know. So five times. Oh, that's 495. That's 130 K. If you write five days a week, 500 words, that's that's 130 K for the year, which is definitely two, like two commercial sized romance novels. Um, or a whole bunch of novellas. And while productivity shouldn't be your main goal, like like that, you shouldn't... I've tried over the years, because I've been writing for a long fucking time. I've been writing for 35 years. Right? Yeah. 35. Uh, coming up soon, um, I'll have my writing anniversary, basically, for when I started my novel. Um, I wrote in notebooks before I graduated to a typewriter. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be 47 this year, right? Yeah, See, this is, you this told is, me. This is, this is what happens when you get old, y'all. All right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been writing for 35 years. But the, but the year before I got my typewriter, I wrote in notebooks. And I have a whole bunch of notebooks um, from when I did that. Um, they're awful, but I, I keep them. It's not so much that I'm bad with numbers. It's just that I have dyscalculia. And uh, that is numbers just jumble up in my brain. I mean, I'm lucky to remember my social security number, to be perfectly frank. I can't memorize phone numbers. I forget birthdays. Thank fuck for my calendar. I mean, I have forgotten my anniversary more than I've ever remembered it. My wedding anniversary. (laughs) But the point is, is that over the years, I've learned to moderate my goals for my own mental health. I try to create situations where I can be productive and feel good about what I produce. I, I write what amuses me and what interests me and what inspires me because otherwise, you know, learning to write for myself, learning to, to write, learning to be happy with my writing process um, was a long-term thing. Learning to say, this makes me happy and I'm allowed to have it 
and believe that was difficult. Because when you get told, like, you know, why are you doing that? You're not making any money at it. Yeah, right. You should do something with your writing. And there is this thing when you are creative, whether you whether you're a painter or you're someone who draws or someone who does digital art or you're a writer or you're a potter or whatever you are. <laughs> Dark. Why are you sucking dick for free when you can get paid for it? That's but that you know what? That is exactly what it feels like. But some people get really bent when you're doing something and you're not getting paid for it. They attach value to an activity when you make money at it. And if you're not making money at it, you're wasting your time. But God forbid you point out something that they're doing that they're not making money at. Like, well, why do you spend six hours every night on your butt watching TV? You're not making any money. They don't know, they don't know what to do with that. I have a cousin who fishes. It's like his favorite thing to fucking do in the whole planet. And I was like, why are you fishing? You're not making any money at it. You don't even sell that fish. You should sell your fish. I want to eat it. No, 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 no. You should sell it. <laughs> so you can make some money. For fuck's sake, you spend 10 hours a, a, a day out on a, um, on a boat on Saturday and Sunday. You're not making a damn dime. You're spending 20 hours of your life every week on a fucking boat. And you're not making a fucking penny. You should be selling that little fish you that you get. People they don't the like to be is, told that. And the funny thing is, in this day and age, I think people overestimate how saleable anything is on any given day. Um, and things just don't have like people will hesitate to get rid of something, thinking that oh, I spent two hundred dollars on this, so I should be able to sell it for at least a hundred dollars. And really, the market for that kind of thing might be. Um, five bucks it's just things are just not there's just not the resale market that people seem to think there is but people have a really hard time accepting that and and i and it, when honestly a lot of times for it's unfortunate that for the mass amounts of fiction written these days the 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 saleable amount the the saleable value of it is much lower than people like people think getting a book published means you're making you're going to make thousands of dollars on it and odds are you're not odds are it, it's the outliers who make thousands of dollars on a book most people are probably making a few dollars on a book and it can't be honestly it can't be about the money when it comes to your craft it can't be about the money and if you're writing for money well frankly, that's not true because there's also Stephen King, and there's Nora Roberts, and there's Arthur C. Clarke. Um, and there are quite a few romance writers who have a really substantial following who actually do make their living writing, but they have to put out like six books a year. Yeah, and there's George like, R. R. Martin owning it. Those are, the, those are the big names, but there are, but in terms of there are some like medium sized names, people who do make a living writing, but 99% of people don't make a living at it. They can't. It like barely supplements their income and gets them to buy a cup of coffee. Um, and I, I don't mean it that bleakly, but for most people who, even people who get picked up by professional publishers and stuff, sometimes the amount of money they make is not worth the hassle that they're going through um, to get published the editing process and the revision process and the, the having to, you know, let go of and sometimes compromise on what they have written. Sometimes it's not worth it for the amount of money that they're getting. And honestly, having professionally published and having been in fandom for a long time, I will say 
that I am at my happiest when I'm writing exactly what I want to write with no expectation of meeting anybody else's expectations but my own. And I am at an age where I'm going to make myself happy when it comes to my work. My words are for me and I share them with others when I want to. I have over a million words. Wait, hold on. I'll tell you. Works in progress. I have 1,818,779 words in works in progress. And I have a little over 4 million published if you count um, Quantum Bang, which I have not moved to my site yet. So I haven't flipped my numbers over to 4 million yet. Um, but that 1,818,000 words, that's those are my words. I may or may not share them. Just saying. They're written for me. Actually, sometimes if you knew, if you had a guarantee that you were going to get $50,000 a book, maybe it would be worth the hassle and the stress. But if you were finding you were getting $50 a book, would it be worth the hassle and the stress? Some people might <laughs> it find... Would... <coughs> it would depend on the publishing environment. Yeah, but some people, some people, even 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 with a good publishing environment, some people might find that no, it isn't worth the stress on them because it has nothing to do with the environment as much as it is. Because there is still the detaching from your own creative work. There is putting it out there. When you put something out there professionally, it is in this realm of being critiqued. Um, I used to write for Penthouse Forum. I've I've told you guys that before. Um, I would get paid by the word. I would send them my stuff. They would send me a check. That was it. I didn't have to do any editing because they did all the editing for me. Um, it was always done under like a, because they were letters to Penthouse Forum, it was always done in the letter format and it, it wasn't under my pen name. It, it wasn't attached to me. Um, I got a contract and a, and a check. Uh, you can write short stories that way for companies and magazines and stuff like that. Um, where you just do like, I'm going to send you a 5k story. You're going to send me a hundred bucks. Great. And you move on. And but you can't make a living that way. No, I did. Put, I did put myself through. I did buy my textbooks that way. Yeah, but, but um, you're not even making. You're not, if you're making a hundred bucks for a five k story, unless you're using like churning out paragraph libraries. If you're writing that all originally, you're not even making minimum wage. No. And honestly, most authors who, even if they're professionally published, aren't making minimum wage when you consider the time and investment and the writing and the editing process. And um, even if they clear a couple hundred dollars, they're still not making minimum wage when you consider the, the time investment involved in all the work they do. So people who professionally published, it is not because they're making money on it. And people perceive... so. So when people say, oh, you could be making money at this, I just go, I just laugh because it's like, that's what you think. And the thing is, I think I've done better with, because I do have some insight into how much most authors make. I've done a little better than a lot of authors with the books that I put out, but I certainly haven't done as well as some other authors have. But I've, I've known authors that have made $10. Their royalties on a book was $10. So imagine that, right? With it, and the thing is, there's and the, and the, if they can still find it in themselves to be happy with that because they just wanted it to be published, then they've achieved what they wanted. But when somebody tells you you could be making money at this, that is not the argument to get you to go forward and deal with that stress. Because odds are, and I don't say this to discourage anybody, but odds are, no, you can't. No one, it is very the vast majority of people, 99.9% .9 are not making a living 
at writing creatively? I think that a lot of authors are older when they get published because they've retired and they have a steady income from retirement mm -hmm. or they have a spouse like me who pays the bills, which is why there are a lot more female, traditionally speaking in the United States, women can stay home without stigma. And because of that, there are a lot of female writers out there who've gotten published, especially in the romance genre, because their husbands are going to work at paying the bills. And every once in a while, that, they get a big check and they go on vacation with it. <laughs> or once I bought my, my husband a big screen TV, a big giant one. It was like $5,000. Um, I won the best wife of the year award that year. <laughs> but... <clears throat> I, in order to make a living as a writer, I would have to churn out 40 to 50K a month consistently. And that's just like my rough draft process. That not, it's not including um, second drafting, zero drafting, or editing. So to make a living as a writer, I would have to write and produce upwards of 100K every month, basically. Producing meaning doing like second drafting and editing and then you, and then and then you never know how something's going to be received so everything you produce is a gamble unless it's already under contract because sometimes that is and also i want to tell you right now if you never take another piece of advice from me seriously listen to this do not write on spec do not take money for something you have not finished don't let somebody send you a check for $10,000 for a novel you haven't written. It is honestly the most horrific experience of my life as a writer. The amount of stress I was under when I signed that contract and they sent me a check was uh, insurmountable because I cashed it. I fucking cashed it. And if I didn't produce that book and deliver it on the day that it was due, they would have sued my ass. I took that check to the bank. I deposited it. I came home and threw up. <coughs> because by the time I got the check, I was already, like, I'd already signed the contract. I was a third of the way through the novel. I completed the novel on time. But just the stress of it was overwhelming. So please don't ever do that to yourselves. Please. If a publisher wants you to write, like, a, what you call it, a synopsis, write them a synopsis for a book you've already finished. Then act like you're a rock star when you when you turn it in a month early. I'm just saying. When you get if if you want to get out there and shop ideas and write and and send out synopsises to publishers or agents, don't do it on anything you haven't already finished. I mean that. And a lot of, a lot of writers don't write unless they sell. They they write entirely on spec, and I don't know how they do it. I mean, it's definitely a different mentality. But honestly, I mean. The writing industry has changed tremendously. Just every year it changes. But in the last decade, the last two decades, 20 years ago, when I was doing a lot of technical writing publishing, most of the fiction writers I knew got advance checks. They submitted their books. They got initial, they got checks up front and then they got royalties later. And a lot of people did get, you know, authors who were popular with their publishers did get say, hey, submit us a synopsis for a book series. And if they liked it, they would get a, an advance to write the series. That kind of thing is rare now, unless you are really well known and at the top of your industry. It's just, I don't, I can't think of the last time I talked to a writer who, who got 
in advance on a book. No, I can't either. It's just so, because the market, it's just so changed. Publishers don't know. On a, on a popular book, publishers are making so much less. It, it requires, the n- amount of sales it requires to be on the New York Times bestseller list is so different now than it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago that it is, it, you'd think it was a completely different industry. And it's because the market is so saturated and it is so easy to, um, get books. I mean, I think that you could probably, if, if a thousand people on publication day picked up a book and read it, you could probably hit number one in the, in the given genre. There was a, a book on Amazon that hits the number one bestseller list um, on Amazon and it hits the New York, the New York times um, and USA today is that for, for that matter. And um, the author conf- admitted that they barely made $5,000 off of it. $5,000 in royalties. Off a book that hit the New York bestsellers list. Yeah, it's because it's just the industry has changed. So when you think about that, a New York Times bestselling author made $5,000 in royalties. It is not a, a, an industry where romance writers in some ways continue to make more money than a lot of industry authors do. Because I think especially 75, 80% of the market. Yeah, because a lot of people, there's a voracious appetite for romance, and people who like follow an author will read everything that author puts out. So if they have a big following and they can put out, let's say, a book every other month, that is like money in the bank for their publisher, and the publisher will bend over backward for them. And those are the rare writer who can support themselves as a writer. Most writers aren't supporting themselves as writers. So when somebody, that's why it's just, this is just not to discourage people, but when somebody comes at you over your fan fiction and says, to you you could be doing something with your writing and you just kind of want to I, I then go what exactly do you think I could be doing well you could be making money okay this is sort of like selling my used clothing on eBay it's going to be a lot of work <laughs> it's going to be sell soul sucking and I'm going to make 50 bucks is it worth it <laughs> you got to do something with that 100 pair of panties you got <laughs> <coughs> Right. And that's the thing, Frog. I enjoy what I'm doing with my writing. And when I when I published the two things I published that were original work, I enjoyed it. I have other projects um, outlined for original. I have other stuff that's started. Um, you know, the panorama happened and it kind of sucked my willingness to put myself out there with creative works, with original works. Um, but it just, just sucked the life out of everybody. It was just like, mm-hmm. you know. So it is... Um, when somebody says that to you, what they're when you when you point out the realities of to them, of the finance finance thing, then they'll come back and say, "Oh, but it, it you would be you'd be you'd be better known." You think I'd be better known as a as an original fiction writer than I would be known as a fan fiction writer? That's cute. No, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really really honest with you guys. Super honest. I would say. When I was actively pursuing professional publishing, I was low mid list, um, and I was satisfied with that. I've never had any desire whatsoever to be famous. I I didn't want to do book tours. You you could not pay me to do a book signing. I'm just saying you couldn't. No, I'd hire somebody to do it for me. I said, my mama. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll do a book signing. Hey, mama, <laughs> you want to go sit in Barnes and Noble and sign my books for me? <laughs> And her ass would totally do it. She'd go down there <laughs> in her best sundress, <laughs> matching sandals. 
and sign my books like she wrote them. She totally would. Um, I don't desire whatsoever for that. I just, I, I don't. So, but what I would say is that I have a bigger following online as a fan fiction writer than I ever did as a professional writer. I don't have a lot of comparison. I have never sought a big following as a fan fiction writer. Um, not this go around. I had a pretty big following my first go around in fandom, and it was because of how things went with that that I didn't seek it out second time it's one of the reasons why i don't stress about not being on ao3 when people write me about oh well you could improve your readership if you would get on ao3 i kind of roll my eyes because like i don't care um that's never been something i've been overly concerned with i would call i would question anybody when they when they tell me that you'd have a, big, a bigger readership on ao3 and what i would say is no i wouldn't what I would have is my same readership that I currently have and then a whole bunch of assholes. I don't want reading my stuff. My mama does have this big sun floppy hat with a sunflower on it. One of those beach hats that's all floppy and, you know, made out of straw. It's got a sunflower on it. She, uh, she bought it at Cracker Barrel. Which is about the southernest thing possible, right? <laughs> so, and let me tell you a lot yeah, another like, thing. Yeah, like the one for Practical Magic, absolutely. Every Southern woman has one of those. Let me tell you something else. It's yeah, I got two between, of those. Between um, uh, professional publishing and fan fiction. If someone took my fan fiction and dissected it on a website and told everybody what was wrong with it, um, people would generally think that they were kind of an asshole. But no one thinks twice about the fact that that's happened with my original work. Now, I'm not going to tell you guys what website that's on because... We don't need no nobody else needs that kind of negativity in their life. But um, both of my original novels, my original stories, they're short stories, they're not novels, were semi-professionally reviewed by a review group. Um, this is what they do: is they review romance novels, and I got on their list, and they reviewed them together at the same time, and it didn't go. It didn't go well. Okay. Hmm. Um. That's not an experience I have to have as a fan fiction writer. And if it did happen, people would generally think they were being dicks. But nobody thinks that in the world of professional criticism, nobody thinks that that's a dick, dickish behavior. So was that a good experience for me? No, no. And the funny thing is, all the things that they critiqued me on and said that I had done wrong were things I had done on purpose. So that was an interesting thing. I was like that here's the thing about those review sites is that they're they're run by readers. Um most of the time they have zero insight into the writing process. Um they are very clickish and they do it for free books. Yeah, probably. That you, you know what they are? They are the pro version of those people who volunteer to beta your work so they can read it in advance. Right. Um but as a fan fiction writer, this is not an experience I have to deal with. So when I talk about the stress of the stress that comes with when people talk about you could do more with your writing, I don't think people get what goes along with that. And when it comes to creative writing, do I want that stress? Now, as a technical writer, I could make a living with writing. Absolutely. But I honestly probably wouldn't have the drive to do a whole lot of creative writing if I was writing technically all day. And I, but I absolutely, because I know I absolutely could make a living as a technical writer because I've done it before. But it's completely not the same thing at all. And, and nobody's also, critiquing it doesn't my work. make you happy. No, not really. Life is, you know, honestly, guys, life is short, and you should be happy. Technical writers, you know that user guide you get with new software, 
or with new, you know, um, your your new iPhone came with a little book, little user manual. People who write that are technical writers. They write user manuals. They write um, instructions for electronics. They write um, big manuals on how jobs are done. A lot of nonfiction products, products, books are written by technical writers. Like I know a technical writer who works for a software company and her whole job is to use software on the fly and then write a guide for users to use it. You know, the, like word for dummies written by a technical writer. So, um, and you can actually get a degree. In you can get a degree in technical writing. You can make a very good living as a technical writer, writing things that most people don't read. <laughs> But companies are required to put out with their shit. <clears throat> In some cases, legally required to put out. Right. Contract technical writers, which technical writers that work for them. Now, it's not uncommon for technical writers to be hired by their company and they make, you know, commensurate, you know, salary to, to engineers typically for whatever is typical for your area, your industry. But contract technical writers can make upwards of 50 60 $100 an hour depending upon yeah. their specialty and what they do. So, But there are various ways you can make a living as a writer. There, there's technical writing. Um, there's journalism. Um, there's fiction writing. There's nonfiction writing. Uh, but I will never strive to do that again because it was hurtful. Because no. I love... I love to write creatively and the process of making money at writing in any fashion, even making money at creative writing is ruins my ability, my desire to write creatively for the fun of it. Now, if I write something creatively that's original and then later I decide to sell it, that's That's different than laboring to finish something to turn into a publisher. It's just, it's just a different vibe. So like when somebody tells me that whole thing, you could do something with this for stars. I know that the odds of me making a living as a creative writer, creative writer, again, creative, I've made money as a technical writer. I've made a living as a technical writer. That's a completely different thing. But the odds of me making a living as a creative writer are almost zero. And I understand the statistics. I understand how much money I could potentially make. I understand probably where I would fall in the, um, in, in, in terms of book sales. I know how much I could supplement my income if I worked at it full time. And it would be a supplement to my income. It would not be a replacement. So um, why would I do that to myself And when it would just probably suck the joy out of something that I love? And people who, and so then people, people don't, they don't understand it, right? They don't understand it because they've never been through it and they've never experienced that. And, and then they think, well, don't you want the, what, the, 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 the prestige or the, um, Oh, what's nope. that word somebody gave you gave me the um, credibility credibility of being a uh, an actual no credibility is the word they used of being an actual wow. published white writer. What who what am a I, bag what, of dicks. Who, who am I trying to prove something to? Well, you've done that, been there, been there, done that, <laughs> and no one's really prepared for that. When I when I find out you're oh you're writing fan fiction, why don't you why don't you why aren't you writing professionally? Oh, I have, I did. I still can, but I do what I want. And they don't have to do with that. But really, the best piece of advice is if someone asks you while you're wasting your time doing something, whatever it is, whether it's writing or reading or drawing or painting or 
sitting next to a rock just tell them you're doing what makes you happy and then sit there and watch them try to tell you that you're not allowed to do something that makes you happy your sister once said professional writers writing and publishing fanfic online was cheating what cheating at what i don't understand what it means i would say that there was a statistic once that came out that said like 70% of the writers in fandom were some form of professional writer. Whether it be technical writing or journalism or actually fiction writing. That may have been true at one point. I think the percentage is much lower now because 70% yeah. of the stuff I pick up is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? <coughs> They're all in Stargate still. Yeah. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be bitchy, but professional writers. I could used to be able to tell that. I used to be able to read fan fiction and tell that these were writers who had professional experience. I can't tell that anymore. Um. Okay. So here's the thing: Is your sister a writer? Okay. So she just shut her whore mouth. So here's the thing about surrounding yourselves with writers that are better than you. That's how you learn. And if you look at a writer who is really good at what they do and you look at their craft and you feel demoralized by it, you need a fucking therapist because you should feel inspired. Because whenever I see a writer who's on their game, giving it to me, I'm like, girl, boy, sit down. Tell me a story. Take me to church. I love it. I want to read really good stuff. I want to encounter really super talented writers. And when I do, I'm like, oh, it's not demoralizing. I don't get jealous. I want more. <laughs> but I don't ask for more because that's rude. But it's awesome. I love it. I don't understand. Because as a, as a writer, my goal every day is to improve. And how do I improve? I encounter writers who are better than me, who are getting that job done. And I am seeing how they do it. And I'm seeing what they do. And I am inspired by them to advance myself. I don't, I don't even think it's cheating to write fanfic of your own professionally published work. Because who could write better fanfic of your professionally published work than right? you? <laughs> but also, if it's your professionally published work, why wouldn't you just keep writing more of the original stuff and make more money on it but but i will well, say one it, thing. Like, if, like if you're pissed off with your publisher and you don't and you're under a contract <laughs> i could see a scenario where you would do it there there is i won't i won't give specifics because i don't want to like draw attention to it but there is um i do know of several there are several there are a lot not several there are a lot of fan fiction writers who also are published there's no doubt about that there's thousands and thousands and thousands and i'm sure we can all think of hundreds of things but there's one in particular that i can think of who um wrote a series um i don't remember if it was sci-fi or fantasy or something like but it was definitely kind of an other world type environment and then what they did is they didn't write fan fiction of that series but they used the world they created to put their favorite fandom in <laughs> So, and they were like straight up about it. They're like, I am taking this fandom I like, let's say Stargate Atlantis, and I'm plunking them into this fantasy world. And we all knew it was this book series that she had written. Um, you know, you don't have to know the book series, you know, but here's a primer if you want to want to understand the world. And it was like, did she just plunk these Stargate characters into her own fantasy world? She did. Okay. That is legit awesome. That is legit. Because I was, I was because impressed. 
she gets into this fandom, right? Who was probably really popular at the time. That is like straight up. Yeah. Because, and then she gets these people hooked on this world building. Like, oh, you want to read the original? Here's a link. Right. <laughs> and they did. People liked the world. So they did. You know, they went out. Because I did ask her if, if it had boosted her book sales. She said it did. Which I don't, think, I, don't, I don't know if that was her intention. But, you know, and several other authors have done the same thing. So if I wrote a really good fantasy series or sci-fi series, you can bet your ass Tony Didos was going to visit it. Right. All up in it. But yeah, I mean, I what I would say to you specifically and your bag of dick sister, sorry, not sorry. Um, I never, ever, ever take the opinion of a non-writer seriously when it comes to my writing. Because they don't know and they don't understand and they, and, and, and they never will. It's surrounding yourself with other writers is the reason why... I find so much comfort in Rough Trade, why I find the Quantum Bang really exciting. Also, I have to say that Jilly's right. Um, being part of the administrative branch of Quantum Bang made me very comfortable in, in the process because I had always shied away from bangs in other in overall because number one, often the rules are ridiculous, and number two, um, after that whole dust up with the Sentinel, I really didn't feel welcome in fandom, regardless of the fandom. Um, so I didn't participate too much in any of that stuff in Stargate. Um, I wouldn't touch any of that stuff in Harry Potter on a bet. And so I missed out on a lot of things that I would like to participate in that, that no longer that no longer exists. And I really do not like to be told what to do with my stuff. That is 100% right, Dark. I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to be micromanaged as well. Uh, please don't tell me I can't name my character whatever I want to name my character. Fuck you. I'm looking at you. Not that I would have ever written in your challenge. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just... Well, but Kara Marie, how will we know it's John <laughs> Shepard if he's not named John? Because <laughs> I fucking said so. <laughs> I said so right in the author notes. <laughs> Because I fucking said so. But see, <clears throat> that's the thing, right? And so being a part of like the Quantum Bang has been really interesting and challenging for me. I, I had a great time both times. All three, three times, times I've done it. <laughs> Four times. I just fin I finished my um, Quantum Bang for um, next year already. Um, I'm in the... I'm about to start to... I want to start the second draft in December. So I'm giving myself some room on it um right now it's sitting around 80k um i've got some work to do on it i'm thinking probably gonna be about 120 when i'm finished but <coughs> ish maybe is it that but one? i really enjoy the challenge environment so creating a challenge environment hmm? it's it's 80 something k right now it just it feels 82? shorter than that, which which speaks well to its its flow. When you when you read a long story and it feels short, that's always a good thing. Yeah, my pace is on point. <laughs> yeah. You don't ever want you don't ever want to read a short story and it feel long. That's not good. Wow, that's only twenty k. It felt like one hundred and eighty. <laughs> <laughs> you just dragged my ass through twenty five k for sixteen hundred hours. <laughs> I, I fell into a coma at word five. I need a haircut now. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I feel like Who hurt you? Time. <laughs> Why is this so boring? 
<laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I'm sitting around at 80k, 80k ish, 82, maybe I think. Um, <laughs> but there, you know, so I, you know, like I, I, I'm having this bang experience I didn't get to have before. So I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I, I like the whole process. I like the whole, um, the whole idea of it. Of course, I love a fucking fix it. You know, there's so much that needs fixing. I think Jace just told us a horror story. <laughs> yeah, that but, sounds like a horror story. So the the big moxie is basically a way to offer others a challenge that can be comfortable, but also a little bit challenging. Just to get just to personal goals, just to set a goal for yourself. Do this. See how it's going to go. <laughs> <coughs> Never let anybody call you a deviant. Unless you are a deviant and you're proud of it. Um, Edie, you're looking for the novella series. Um, I have a page. I thought I had linked it on the menu. But I did not. They're not on writing and junk? They, they are, but I didn't have it on the menu for some reason. Oh. We did a, a story building um, series of podcasts uh, on creating the novella, and we had a whole bunch of podcasts for it um, on plotting, on defining your theme and your central idea, and on character profiles and GMC. And then we did a plot, and then we did um, a question and answer on writing romance. Um, update that. And then we did um, conversations about decision making for your for your plot and your ripple management and then we did one on writing sex and your romance um anyway i have um given a link in the chat for that <clears throat> um but yeah so what's i gonna say i forgot what i was gonna say so you want to talk about the quantum bang and um your perspective on challenges and challenge environments because i've lost my train of thought <laughs> okay um well, part of the part of the reason why I wanted to do the quantum bang, well, for a few things, was in part to do a multi fandom bang. There were a few things that were kind of the impetus for it. Was in part to do a multi fandom bang, but also to strip out a lot of the um, weird rules that were just getting weirder and weirder and weirder as time was going on. Um, but also, I saw it as a kind of a sad thing that I thought that word counts were just in order to keep people interested. Word counts were continuing to dwindle. Um, and the thing is, it wasn't working. It's like I was seeing challenge moderators taking their word counts from 20K to 20 or 25K to 20K to 10K to 5K to 3K. And that's not an exaggeration. That was one challenge I witnessed that decline. And their rationale was to, because people told them, people told them and that people gave feedback. So the reason why they weren't participating is because it was just, it was too difficult to produce x word count 25k 20k 10k so they kept reducing the word count to try to keep interest up and um the problem is interest people the, all these people who said that the reason why they weren't participating was because the word count still didn't participate so the word count wasn't the problem and i wasn't sure what the problem was except perhaps it was all too narrow um and that's when I got to talking to Kira. We, we ran into a problem with one of the bangs I was participating in going too narrow and having weird rules and also dwindling word count. And, you know, Kira and I talked and about... And making rules up on the fly. 
Yeah, weird rules wouldn't fly. I mean, if we ever had a, a situation where I didn't, that's why I said, you know, in the event that there's a rule I haven't addressed, that I would try to at least for that challenge year, if I could, you know, as long as it didn't penalize everybody else, find in favor of the participant, you know, make it as accommodating to them as possible, rather than make up a new rule on the fly. Um, and also, because the original Big Bangs were about writing a novel, and so that was also one of my goals. And so we talked about having no theme, but one of the things that like Kira had observed was in the rough trades where there was no theme, that there was like the least participation. Um, that the that too much structure was discouraging, but too little structure was also discouraging. And how do you strike that balance? And that's when we said, you know, I think I'm, that's when we struck the theme of fix-its. Um, which I said, let's do let's do fix it themes because the vast majority of what I write, what Kira writes, most of the people I know write has at least some element of fix it to it, and um, and so I felt like it was an achievable thing, and that's why we wanted to go that direction. Um, I think 50k first rattle out of the box was a good goal. We did that for two years. Uh, we still 50k is the end goal, but we did soften it a little for year three. Nobody took us up on it, but we did soften the goal a little bit with giving people the option of structuring it in a series of novellas rather than in one novel. Because I do get that not everybody has the this, the ability to just write a single novel, a single arc. Um, so, and if that's not your skill set, that is that option. And I'm actually hoping more people will take us up on the, the option to write the novella because I'd like to see some people explore it. Um, how to do a fix it across a series of shorter stories rather than you know one big blob so i mean we did learn um some stuff as we went we did have to put some new rules in like we eventually did decide to put a word count cap on because eventually somebody was going to turn in a 500,000 500,000 word story and honestly the reason why i wouldn't wouldn't want that is because i just don't think it's good story craft um and I just wouldn't want to have have structure in place that didn't encourage people to try to be better about their their writing. And I just think that there's there's no reason if you've written 500k, there's no reason you can't break that into two. I think really 250 is pushing it on the craft level, unless you're writing fantasy or science fiction and you need that much room for world building. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 250 is bigger than I would want to write. My biggest is 212, and I felt like it was too big. It should have been three novels instead of one big blob. I think Darkly Loyal is my biggest, and it's 180. So, of course, I haven't finished The Unspeakable Plot, which is ridiculous, which is why I want to turn that into episodes, because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Or novellas, one of the two. But there is, um, it was just a desire to, there was a desire to kind of, and it's not like, it's not even intended to be an oblique criticism of other bangs at all. It's just that I think a lot of times people pick up what other people have done and just replicate it. Or sometimes double down on the bad parts. Um, and I just wanted to try to, instead of just replicating, I wanted to try to figure out what I thought didn't work well from having done a lot of them. And say, no, this doesn't work. Would it be easier if we were running this kind of thing? Like, where people, everybody posted on AO3? Yeah, probably. But I actually would never want to impose a challenge that required people to post in a specific place. Yes, we actually do require people post in the Quantum Bang, but they don't have to post. We do it. So, um, And then they, they can, can also post wherever the hell they want to. 
They can put it where they, or, or nowhere else. Some people never post their story anywhere else. It only ever lives on the Quantum Bang site. And because I don't, don't blame have... them because they don't have to moderate their own comments. Right. I get it. The difference between a novella and an episode, Chris. Um, the Sentinels of Atlantis is written in episodes. And what might have been is written in novella form. As far as series works go. It's series versus serial. Serial is um, they build on each other to tell one story. Whereas, in theory, something that's series um, can be read functionally in any order. Sort of. Not always. It, it That always sounds better in practice than sometimes in execution. But, mm-hmm. like, in theory, you should be able to read the in-death books out of order and get them. Um, Except, No. Because there's so no, much not, not, relationship not mechanics that it, that it can get difficult. Like if I could read them individually now, but if I had start, if I started in the middle, I'd be really fucking confused. Not all of them can be. Not all of them stand alone. But in theory, it's not a true serial, but it's not a true series either. Um, but so if you think of um, some episodes, would be novella length. But I. I kind of classify in my head, I call something an episode, if it, meaning they're intended to build towards a larger narrative arc, like a TV show season. Yeah. Um, and that's how I structure Sentinels of Atlantis. I plotted all of Sentinels of Atlantis at once. Um, and then I had to replot because I had to rewrite and I got really disillusioned and I hurt myself and my, my own feelings over a hard job failure. But we're, we're beyond that. We're past that. I but, don't you'll ever get past it, but Okay. <laughs> Some things just Let me hurt live. you forever. Some, th- some things just hurt you forever. You just need to own it. <laughs> Are we really? Really? Um, but the Sentinels of Atlantis has an arc. The series itself has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And each little episode has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And for me, an episode is an event plus consequences. Which could, but depending upon the length, they could be a short story or a novella. Because like some of the, in the, in the, um, in the Every Moment series, some of them are short story length and some of them are novella length. Um, but it's, so it's not about the word count mechanics. It's about their serial. They build on one another um, to tell an overall story arc. Now, each one is still an individual story in its own. Each one has, like Kira said, a beginning, middle, and an end of its own. But they still tell an overall story arc together which makes them serial, not series. No, you're confusing novella with, um, novella is a novella is about length, not about whether it's series or serial. Um, short story, novella, novel, epic, novel, those are word count lengths. Whether it's serial or series is something I mean, an decide. episode could be novella length. Yeah, some episodes, and some of your episodes in, um, Sentinels last, I believe, are novel length. Yeah, my last episode is 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 fifty k. Yeah, so it's about the mechanics of which she calls them episodes because they're serial in nature as opposed to series in nature. Now we talked about it a couple, last night or the night before that what might have been is more of a series. You mm-hmm. could probably pick up one of the one of the one of the stories and what might have been and read them out of order and. It probably would hold together. Some more than others. Some you might need. Like if you hadn't, if you didn't know how Sebastian came into the universe and you hadn't read that part of the story, if you p- happened to pick up one of the stories where he's firmly entrenched in the universe, you might go, "Who's Sebastian? Um, Where'd he come from?" Right, John. What'd you do? Like, that's, that's the nature <laughs> of any any character introduction. 
um, the the you mean the, the big Moxie Challenge Inc. Uh, is basically it's a really personal goals challenge where you have a theme, you have a whole quarter to write it. You can write one story or ten stories or twenty stories or you know a novel. It's all depending on you. The minimum work count is five k, and we're going to do four challenges next year during the big Moxie. So now somebody Thank asked you, me Star. earlier if. I forgot to ask this. Some uh, mentioned that somebody asked me earlier if the stories could be connected across the four challenges. I don't know how you could. Um, but you're welcome to try. I'd like to see it. <laughs> you're welcome to try. I'm. I, I'm. I'm not the for sure. I've never policed any challenge, including the Quantum Bang. So I'm not certainly not going to pu police a low stress challenge like the Big Moxie. The ch this, the themes are so disparate. It would be difficult to get Canon Divergence, um, the Sentinel, Paranormal and soulmates all into a connected series of stories but if you can good on you i think i mean if you wrote a teen wolf story with soulmates that was canon divergent and there were some sentinels sure okay get ellie go for it i well well you see the april the quarter two is a fusion or the sentinel yeah but i don't know how you could do if i think you would be better off with with the sentinel than doing some other kind of fusion because you'd need to start, in order to achieve it, you'd need to start with a paranormal fandom, I think. But that's how I would approach it. I would start with a paranormal fandom to solve that side of it. And then, I don't know how you do that with canon divergence. Oh my god. Well, you would have to use the... No, you couldn't use the fusion because a fusion is not a crossover. You would have to do a sentinel emergence. Yeah, you would. No. <laughs> I don't want to see you try this, honey. <laughs> I'm because Sentinel Emergence, Sentinel Emergence is a nightmare. I'm gonna put Sentinel Emergence right up there with the declassification of the Stargate program. Well, now I wait a minute. We didn't, over. we didn't say we didn't say it had to be a Sentinel or known. We just said the Sentinel, so they could write literally the Sentinel. Right. They could literally write Jim and Blair. Um. I don't know. We don't. I'm not going to plot with you guys how to solve this problem because if you want to go down this path, you are on your own to figure it out. Good but, luck, darlings. Good luck. Like I said, I have never policed anybody's challenge. The only time that I ever get involved and is something a fix it is when somebody asks me, and that's actually dangerous ground. Is it a fix it? Because if you ask me if it's a fix it, I'm going to offer you my opinion, and I've said on the site repeatedly. That if you can tell me how it's a fix it, I'm going to take your word for it. Because ultimately you should be the advocate for your own story. And that's how I mod, baby. But if somebody's <laughs> going to put their story idea in my face and say, is this a fix it? I will give you my opinion. <laughs> Don't ask me because nine times out of ten, I'm going to say no. <laughs> What'd you fix? That doesn't seem like a fix-it. But let me tell you something about fix-its that it never really crossed my mind until, I guess, last year. Um, a fix-it doesn't have to be positive. I well, mean, the, one person's fix-it is another man's ni nightmare. It's kind of like, are you writing a fix-it for Dorothy, or are you writing a fix for the Wicked Witch? <laughs> well, but that's that comes down to POV character. You can't tell me that the protect... But that, can, that could be disingenuous, because if POV character is Derek Hale, for instance, for your whole story, and then mm -hmm. Derek dies at the end, and then you tell me that your fix it was for Scott McCall. I'm gonna call bullshit because that's right. disingenuous, right? If your and if your protagonist is actually Scott, why was the character that you were letting the audience get fond of Derek? 
So that is not a real example. That's a bait and switch. That's what that is. So um, point of view is everything. If if you're destroying the world, you your POV character is probably a bad guy, you know? And that's that's legit. If your POV character is Thanos, your fix it's gonna look very different than if your POV character is Tony Stark. So I'm just saying, I'm not trying don't to Don't give me humans. a lead. But I'm just saying don't 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 be disingenuous about it, you know? own it. If you want to write a fix-it for Scott McCall and you want to kill everybody, all the hails in the process, don't try to dress it up and make it seem like you're being friendly to Derek through 90k of 100k story. Can a divergence work if you change the world building so that canon diver... I don't understand. A canon divergence is like canon takes place up to a certain point and then you diverge into a different path. Like Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts and gets sorted into Slytherin. Well, that diverged pretty much almost immediately. But because he did get the same... He, he grew up with those circumstances, right? He grew up with the Dursleys. He's entered the magical world. He's got his owl. You've diverged at his sorting. That wouldn't be an alternate universe. Harry grows yeah. up with a really awesome aunt who takes no shit. And he gets awesome grades. And he goes... And she's... You know, she's a, whatever she is. She's amazing. He has this great fucking childhood. He gets invited to Hogwarts. And he's kind of on the fence about it. Because he had plans. <laughs> but he goes. And it's okay. And he gets invited. And, and he gets sorted into Ravenclaw. That's an alternate universe. I am going to have... See, Harry Potter is a terrible, terrible example of canon divergence. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why it's a ex- terrible example of canon divergence. Because we know so much canon going back so far. We know canon going back to before the 40s. So where right. is your canon divergence? Because we know these characters' backstory, canon can diverge at any point in the known canon. Not just what was on screen. So this is that's why Harry Potter is an awful example of canon divergence. Also, our terminology is a little messed up. People talk about canon divergence versus AU because it is a canon divergence. And um, all fan fiction is, a- is an AU. Um, but a better example is where you don't have hundreds of years of known canon. So like um, Tony Dinozo. But conceivably, even in Tony Dinozo, what we know of his childhood could conceivably be known canon. What we see on screen, and we do see stuff on screen from his childhood. But generally speaking, when people... That is, I find, splitting hairs. Because the thing about... Um, the J.K. Rowling universe is we do have books that go all the way back to the 40s, which means there's on-screen stuff that goes way back to before Harry was even born. So, but when it comes to, we've, we see very little, there's stuff that we're told about, like Tony's childhood, Dinozo's childhood, but we don't really see a ton of it. So the general um, wisdom is that canon is about what we've seen on screen. It's about the on-screen canon, so starting with season one. So the divergence point could be anything in that, generally speaking. But it doesn't matter when you diverge, just that you do it. Whether you've diverged right. in 1926 or 1976 or 1991, when you do it, that's your divergence point. What wouldn't count as canon divergence, even in something like Harry Potter, is if you change the world dynamics to a huge degree, like add nobility. Or add steampunk. Right, because when you change the way the world functions, you're, like you're writing you an AU. Ca- 
you met Carrie Lord Gryffindor. I actually find that to me, like a noble AU, like when you add the whole nobility thing, that can be such a thin layer on top of canon that you can still write a fix it with that because it doesn't necessarily change the world a ton, but you can't actually call it canon divergence because I mean, you cannot like say that canon adjacent. <laughs> it is canon. It is. I would definitely say it's canon adjacent because in Harry Potter, it is a very thin layer that you're adding on because it's so similar. Usually it's so similar to the way the world is typically written. But you can't, for instance, add a noble a noble layer on top of, say, Teen Wolf and have it be canon adjacent. That's just bizarre. <sighs> but it is. But you could still definitely write like a canon similar or canon adjacent fix it with a nobility um, in Harry Potter. But canon divergence for Tony Dinozo would be <coughs> that he transfers to the FBI after the incident in Dead Air. Or I would actually say any time within his career at NCIS. That right, he, right, yeah, I just picked a point. You know, you just take, he, you just take him he, somewhere else. He just he just fucks off. Time travel is definitely a form of canon divergence because you take your character unless, as long as you're taking your character out of a moment or near a moment in canon, like something happened in canon. You know, um, somebody came along and plucked them up and threw them back in time. Um, that could be the canon divergence when they're picked up and thrown back in time. Yeah, he follows Tom, Tony Dunza follows Tom Morrow when he leaves NCIS. Those are all canon divergence points. Um, it's just, it's not canon divergent if you don't keep canon intact up to it. It's the fork in the road thing. Canon is marching along, you fork off and you do something else. Now, you can fork widely. You send Tony off to Hawaii. Hawaii. Right? <laughs> or you can fork very narrowly. You send Tony downstairs and he works on a different. I mean, it, how, how much you diverge is up to you. Some people actually define canon divergence as a narrow fork in the road. I would never be so pedantic as to try to tell people how narrow their divergence has to be. Because I'm not that kind of controlling asshole. <laughs> I am that kind of controlling asshole, but not about that. <laughs> well, because have, the, pro the problem is, is why? When, you start, why? When, you when you start trying to define how narrow or how broad a canon divergence has to be, then you're putting yourself in the position of having to police it. I just have never been that bored. I, I don't need that. I, I have I have plenty to do. I'm going to tell you guys a little secret that apparently is in fact a secret. I don't know how I've gotten through 10 years of this challenge without you guys realizing this, but I don't read everything on Rough Trade. Y'all okay? Right. I'm not. And I, I've not read everything on, sh on, on the Quantum Bang. I know that was a rude shock for some people. It's like there was actually a problem with something on the Bang. Not a big problem, but a problem. And people assumed that because it was on the site, there was like tacit permission for it to be there. And it was like, we don't like sit down and have like, you know, you know, the mod munching party where we just sit around and eat snacks and read everybody's submissions to make sure <laughs> qualify. Y'all, did anybody get to this submission yet? Do we think it qualifies as a fix? -it? I mean, I have had people assume that I've read everything on Rough Trade and I approve of it. I've actually gotten emails from people bitching me out about other people's writing. And I'll be like, motherfucker, you know I don't read that. I, I didn't write that, right? But it's on your site. That doesn't mean I've read it. There are 50 people writing right now. Do you honestly think I am writing every day and reading everything they're writing every day too? Are you out of your goddamn mind? Oddly, I was much less polite in that email than I was just now. <laughs> 
I don't, but yeah, there are people who think that I read it all, and I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Mostly, I'm not sorry. Um, I don't have time for that. I can't yeah. be expected to write moderate comments and read your shit too. Sometimes I can barely moderate comments and write. I can barely read my own shit <laughs> and write. I don't. I don't read. Some, there's more than there's been more than one challenge when it's like I barely I barely managed it. I, I was gonna say I barely managed a spell check. Y'all know there's been times when that wasn't spell checks. <laughs> Because I'm sure y'all have been reading sometimes and you've gone, no, oh, she didn't spell check. Yeah, I know. But it's a rough draft challenge. I don't have to spell check if I don't want to. I mean. But like Ellie Ellie pointed out up above that there's reading happens sometimes when there are explosive comments and you go, what the fuck is going on? That does happen because sometimes you start getting a bunch of comments that are like, frankly, against the rules. And you're like, what just happened? What just happened? And then you go and you like read and you go, hmm. And you have to go alert the mod team. Folks, be on the lookout. <laughs> We got this going on. You know, sometimes a writer will drop a bomb in a fandom and you're like, oh, God. Oh, oh, okay, darling. Okay, you do you. But Jesus Christ, I've got 55 comments that are telling you that you're terrible. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. <laughs> then you're like, was that a good wow or a fuck you wow? Because I don't know how to read this wow in light of the 50. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, honestly, sometimes a single word "wow" is so passive aggressive that I just like okay, delete because <laughs> it's not adding value, and I don't know if you mean that to be ugly or not. And I just can't, I just can't take the risk. I'm just gonna delete, delete. You went to sleep once and woke up to discover that one of your fandoms had nuked itself. I require more information, <laughs> but yeah, I know I don't read everything on um, Rough Trade. I've not read everything on the Quantum Bang. Uh, and it's really weird that people assume that I did or that I do. It's bizarre. Um, well, we had to add that dis dis disclaimer on the front page of uh, the quantum bank because people assume that um, we had approved everything on the site. And I was like, no. And the thing is the thing that somebody was upset about, it was not actually an issue. It wasn't, but um, we want people to know that if there is an issue, there's a good chance we don't know about it. You know, I mean, yeah, I actually have a pretty narrow fandom list, honestly. Um, yeah, me too. Sometimes uh, I branch. Sometimes I branch out when a when an author I like, or just sometimes, honestly, sometimes the comments people will leave when I'm approving them, I'll be like, "What the fuck is going on with this story? I'm now curious." And you know, I don't have to go uh, read it. All of a sudden, I'm fucking read a wiki first because I have no idea who any of these people are. <laughs> and that has happened. <laughs> Resistance is futile, Chris. Give it up. What's wrong with you? Have you have you, have you been over to the Quan Bang to read Jilly's Quan Bang? She wrote two I mean, it's novels. Got all, it has got all the sex in it. I mean, it's like it's, practically tailor-made for you. It's it is filthy. filthy. Um, but I remember. I mean, sometimes a, a fandom like loses its mind over something that's happening in canon. Like you go to bed, you wake up, and it's like, what the? I'm, fuck I'm gonna put somebody in the sim bin. Would you just look what he said? Just just look what he said, mm. Bry. <laughs> He did tell me once that I taught him about sex, which was a little bit... I felt very old and very horrified. But somebody's going to teach you about sex. It might as well have been me. Oh, thanks, AJ. My Mass Effect story, um, it's just me feeling bad about the ending of Mass Effect 3. 
because I always end up killing my main character because that's the only way you get the the ending that I think is the most realistic for his for his characterization, and it hurts my feelings. And every time I play the game, I'm like, oh, I have to go right and fix it for it. <laughs> I have to right and fix it for my own decisions because there is one decision where your character will live, but I think it's the worst decision. <clears throat> so I so I so I never take it, and then my character dies, and I'm really sad. <laughs> Um, you know, in terms of fandoms nuking themselves, it wasn't really a nuke themselves, but when I was involved heavily in the X-Files fandom, I was still writing as the canon was being produced. And that's, it's actually a little easier to write in a fandom where the canon is dead than to write in a fandom where the canon is active because, in a way, because active canon can fuck you up. It can, we've all been experiencing this lately with 911. It's like, you can get so mad that you can't write. But anyway, um, and so there I am, I'm cruising along. And there were several popular ships in, in X-Files. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are several popular ships in the X-Files. And probably the third or fourth most popular. Actually, it might have third. I'm going to go third most popular slash ship. And possibly even third most popular ship overall. But it might be fourth. Um, anyway. So we go to bed. Everybody's cruising along. We, we find out that these two characters who are rarely on screen together. We're going to be on screen in the next episode we go together we get up the next morning find out that one of those characters has shot the other one in the head <gasps> and you're just kind of like going what i don't even know what to do with this and the funny thing is i was actively writing a story with those two in a relationship and i was like no x-files yeah no, 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 NCIS. It was X-Files. I was, I'm holding I, I was the back just... of my head, and I wasn't even... I, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's awful. Oh, it was It was terrible. I mean, we were just like... It, it was It was like the fandom just, like, like froze for, like... You know, unfortunately, it was not a dream. Um, yeah, it was It was bad juju. I mean, when your fandom does something like that to you, it's like that when, you're, when your canon does something like that to you. And there had been a series I was reading. It was a really long epic series that was going along kind of they were managing to kind of slide the relationship between these two people under canon, right? Like as if through the whole show, these two were in a relationship all along and they had actually managed to make it really plausible. And then like all of a sudden, one of them kills the other one. And the first thing these, this author, um, or maybe it's a pair of authors, I don't remember, says, like they wrote, they wrote an email um, to their to their yahoo group i think Maybe it was google groups by then i don't remember anyway they sent out an email to their followers and said yeah we're diverging from canon <laughs> we're like no shit because that was everybody's first worry was about their big fan fiction it was like y'all aren't gonna have um it's gonna really kill crycheck are you <laughs> no <laughs> we're diverging from canon I, that's just some ugly ass behavior <laughs> just i honestly i'm at the point now where i prefer a dead cannon over a living cannon because a dead cannon that like they, they can't fuck you over anymore no they can't bite back you know i'm just telling you but season as season four of and i'm almost angsty but it was good the angst was good creative fodder for me um season five this is not good creative fodder it's just making me mad i'm not gonna give spoilers because we're not we're not wanting anybody to go run off but it's just it's just salt and bitterness I don't know how I feel about a Stargate reboot. They just need to, they need to watch their step. That's all I gotta say. I am looking forward to the Babylon Five reboot because Michael is heavily involved in it, um, and 
trusting Michael Straczynski with his own work is a is a no brainer. I'm talk to me, Michael. Come on, <laughs> let's go. <clears throat> but if it was anybody else, I'd be like, oh fuck no, you need to sit down and shut your pie hole. Yes, you you should watch Babylon Five. If you've got HBO Max, you can watch it in its entirety, um, digitally digitally remastered. So uh, do it. Isn't there, there an order movies that it should be watched in? There there are there is a movie order. Um, someone needs to call it up and give everybody a list of because um, like the movies take place like before the series, in between the series, and a- I think after the series, maybe. Crusade is separate from Babylon 5 and I honestly don't recommend it because it's deeply unsatisfying because they canceled it. No, it isn't like Star Wars, Bri. No. Um, Babylon 5 is best told in order because one of the things about Babylon 5 that's really fascinating and interesting beyond the movies and the series is the series itself is basically a book told to you in television episodes. It is. It has a wide, beautiful arc each series, I mean, each season has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the series itself has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It is mastercraft. It is awesome. The characters are amazing. Um, the special effects are dated, okay? But So just overlook that. Overlook it. But it is really, honestly, fucking magical. You're absolutely right, Jace. It is just, I mean, I love it. The only other one that I would recommend wholeheartedly with no reservations would be, would be Farscape. I, you know, honestly, Ellie, I wasn't, I mean, I, I saw that coming and I wasn't, it, it hurt, but I felt like he went out like a boss. So, so, but yeah. Sometimes you have a character who, who, who makes a sacrifice play and he's like owns it and you're like, hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you go kick that whole planet's ass. <laughs> it's just so yeah, yeah. So, but Babylon Five is is gorgeous storytelling. Overlooked the special effects, but I'm looking forward to a reboot, but only because Michael is involved. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't. Isn't Babylon on Queer as Folk that gay that gay dance club? Or am I getting Not, confused? Okay. It is Babylon is the name of the club, yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm never gonna be able to watch Babylon 5 again without thinking about that. You've ruined me. Oh god. As to Foundation, it's which it's on Apple TV. My husband is a huge fan of the Foundation series. He's a few, ginormous fan of Asimov himself. Um, and he's really big on Arthur C. Clarke and, you know, really traditional science fiction, science-y kind of thing. Um, he is waiting until it's all up before he watches it. Because they're doing it one episode at a time. They have no respect whatsoever for our stream culture. Well, I don't know that it's a reboot since I didn't know they'd ever made an original Foundation. Foundation was a book series. I think that Babylon 5 originally was quite good for its day um but like i said it's not aged well but just overlook it because i don't even think that matters i I really don't yeah it's definitely still better than scorpion king because what the fuck was that aren't most things better than the scorpion oh 
Scorpion no, like, Scorpion King. He the the movie itself was fine, but his first appearance in the in the Mummy movie was awful. I mean, if you went into yeah, the, the Scorpion King expecting more than what you got, yeah, the movie. This I agree. The movie, the Scorpion King, was fine, but the 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 special effects, the CGI in, of in the Mummy Returns, was that it? Was not yeah, good. no. Which was interesting because their CGI was great everywhere else. The whole mummy thing. I mean, the the first movie was amazing. Yeah. So why was the Scorpion King so awful? I mean, I've seen YouTubers do a better job of CGI than that. But um, does anybody have any questions about uh, the Big Moxie or the Rough Trade or Quantum Bang since we've been talking about all those things? I would love to see Jensen Ackles um, on Babylon 5 on the new version. I think it'd be fun. Just saying. I hear they're going to reboot Quantum Leap too. He'd be good on that. I have a whole thing about that. Anyways. Yes, yeah, Scott Bakula is going to come back to Quantum Leap, apparently. But there are there are some issues with Quantum Leap. <laughs> I don't think it's aged well. Even back then, it was a little iffy sometimes. Well, they did in the original. Um, in in the original series, uh, Sam did sleep with somebody while he was in another person's body. So, yeah. So nobody has any questions about the challenge. I think it's pretty straightforward. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. She called she, uh, she called us evil winches. Who's an evil winch? Oh. Apparently, we, we are. I, you know, I think it's important to challenge yourself, Chris. Get out there and challenge yourself. I don't know if you understand what pantsing means, Chris, because so you, you shouldn't be pantsing right now. I mean, I've been, I've been watching you plot, and that's not pantsing. Pantsing is like start, no, November 1st. You start with a blank page and you have no idea where you're going. That's pantsing. You've been plotting. See, I used to think that I pants every once in a while, but I have never pantsed once in my whole entire life. I used to think I pantsed more than I... <laughs> and even short works, like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. Right? But I used to think I, I pantsed more than I actually did. <laughs> Because even if I sat down with no idea what I was going to write, within 15 minutes, I knew exactly what I was going to write. So how is that pantsy? It's not. <laughs> I just I just don't have that gene. I just don't have that gene. <laughs> yes, Bright. You can sign up. We'll have two forms. I, I didn't want to do four. And apparently I couldn't do one because I wanted to do just one. But uh, apparently that wasn't very... Um... <laughs> gracious i don't know anyway there's going to be two um and you can sign up for either all four themes or just one theme or two themes it, it's it's just not i would recommend signing up personally i recommend for you signing up for both that way if you get the urge to write in both you can you, you can but why limit if you want to limit yourself you can limit yourself i mean i would sign up for all four and then do what i want right if you sign up for all four and you only get inspiration to do one, then you only do one. We are not going to take attendance. We're not going to send you a note that says, you signed up for all four and you only completed one, you're banned from next year. I know that's how some other challenges work. I just, I'm not interested in making these kinds of things. The only thing we've ever done, I've ever done punitive on the Quantum Bang was if you made it to art claims and you wasted time with somebody... And it would have to be a waste of someone's time. Not, I had a life emergency and I have to bow out. But literally, I got down to the wire and now I'm deciding to back out because I couldn't communicate. 
then I would say you couldn't participate again. And the only person who's ever been banned from Rough Trade was banned from Rough Trade for a very different reason. Was was banned for behavior not even on Rough Trade because I don't want that motherfucker anywhere near me. Right. So when you think about all the bad behavior that has occurred potentially over the years, that's two people. So Oh, boo, embrace it. Embrace it. You only have to put 5K, you'll be all right. I banned him everywhere I could. <laughs> In every way I could. Well, yeah, 5K is your minimum. And see, that's the, I think that's where, you know, that's the part where it's comfortable. Well, if I had banned his country, I'd have ended up banning myself because he's from the United States. Anyways. And also, oh, he probably would have enjoyed it. What? Someone's a chief. Who's, who's in the sim bin? Boo. What'd she do? Oh, God. <laughs> Who do we blame for that? We're blaming somebody for that. Wait. Eli who? Do you mean like Eli David? Who wrote There's Queenie? <laughs> yeah, Queenie. Que Eli David's emo diary. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Queenie in a hot minute. That's big, yeah, it's been a hot minute. <laughs> That's some funny shit though. It really is. It was funny. I still put Boo in the corner for it. <clears throat> And Aaron Hotchner. You you mean Eli David and Aaron Hotchner. You know what though? I don't think I think we need to put her where where is it? Where is that? There. That's what she needs. Oh, gee, it's Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sinbin Hall of Fame. You're never getting rid of that one. <laughs> um that's just that's just really derailed my brain. I don't y'all can't just y'all y'all can't just try to one-up each other this is gonna be like the peeps thing all over again and i'm just not i'm just not here for it no i had to avoid the server for an entire day over that boo blew the wad on that she did but apparently i'm not allowed to say i blew my own wad on that because my husband says it's inappropriate why you can't blow I a said, wad? I said, already. I, I forget how. I, I forget what we're talking about. I said, and, and I blew my wad on that, and he's like, "No, you've taken this theoretical dick too far." Well, you should just tell him. You know what you should do? You should tell him, "Say, I need your wad because I need to blow it because I apparently can't blow my own anymore." Yeah, he needs to, you know, clear the pipes every once in a while. Um, but the. The 5K thing, I what's really, a lot of people get wrapped around the axle about a word count when it comes to like the quantum bang or the word count requirements we have on rough trade. And so when we were going into the Big Moxie um, and we were talking, we were talking about how it would be structured, it made sense to us to offer a lower word count minimum, but no maximum because we're not hosting the works if you want to write 200k next year um you do you post it on ao3 because you know all four themes so you could be you could start writing your soulmate fic in january if you want you know you just can't post it till december if you want to be included in our list now if you Although prematurely post you don't get to be on our list so you need to maintain and have some stamina Need to sit on it. Although I will say, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there that if you're feeling like the quantum bang is too much stress for you, and then you turn out 50k, 
and it's a fix it. I'm going to have words with you. <laughs> if you turn out 50K for a fix it next year, you just sit on that until August and sign up for the next quantum bang. Cause I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm you, just kidding. You, you, you do you, you do you, do you do with your own you, writing. You, do what you, you just you do what you want to do. But I mean, seriously, that happens to people sometimes. Is they think they can't do something, then they then they participate in a, what they think of as a lower stress challenge, and it's like all of a sudden they turn out 100k and they go, "Well, I thought I couldn't do that 50k bang, but I hear I just did 100k." In addition, um, we've already announced the Rough Trade themes for next year. Um, they're on the forum. You can go over there and look at it. Uh, Course of Quantum Bang is always going to be a fix it, um, and We've already done signups for the, um, the Quantum Bang for next year. That, that ended. When did that end? Uh, signups will end. At, actually, that's, I need to announce that. There will be an announcement going out on the forum and over on Just Right t tomorrow, probably, that signups end on the 31st. So you need to get your butts in gear if you want to sign up. As an author, you've got more time if you're an artist. And then, you know, of course, next year it'll, be, it'll start over again in August. But this is just a low stress challenge for those people I mean, if you do rt and you do quantum bang and you want to do the big moxie you go right ahead but oh my god oh my god the initials for this challenge is bm <laughs> we should have gone with little moxie <laughs> we should have <laughs> I think you're gonna have. I think you're gonna have to go change the name and fix your art. I don't know if I can deal with I'm, this. I don't know if I can deal with this all year. We're talking about BM challenge because we always refer to our challenges by their initials. Kira I'm just Marie. gonna start calling it the Moxie. We're not gonna do initials on it, okay? We're just gonna do Moxie. But anyway, no, it's, it's gonna be the BM. <laughs> Ruin now. But it's about. Um, Shut up, Jace. Just be quiet. <laughs> Big Moxie. <coughs> Actually, it'd be TBM. That doesn't help. It doesn't help because do you think when people are talking about their bowel movements, they aren't talking about the bowel movement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with CBT. <laughs> Actually, CBT would be great for a writing challenge. <laughs> Not. Anyways. <laughs> the big damn super moxie, which sounds like a maxi pad. <laughs> <laughs> but BDSM, I'm I'm all in favor. <sighs> Ellie. <laughs> I'm not redoing my art, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about yeah, so it's about um providing those who find rough trade stressful or quantum bang daunting. To have a little challenge of their own. But if you do RT and you quantum bang and you want to do the big moxie, you go right ahead. Get in there and do that. Because gonna... it's not about limits. No, we're not trying to limit. We're not trying to say, you know, you can only do this challenge. That would be rude. You can only do this challenge if you find the other challenges stressful. It's like, that would put, that'd be a real dick move. It's I mean, like, if you're just a big giant pansy and you can't participate in the quantum bang, you can come over here and do this. No, that's not what I'm saying. I will be doing, I'll be doing the moxie. I will not be doing the big moxie, however, because I don't want to be talking about my BMs. <laughs> I wish I'd never seen that, Nick, because now I can't unsee it. Well, I I can't unhear it, so. But uh, a year-long challenge is not little. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, but it's little. it's little potentially in word lengths. It's little... Potentially in a lot of ways. It's li little stress. 
And actually, each part of the challenge is only three months. So it's little. Would you just... It's The little. low moxie. That sounds like low testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> it's little. Would you just deal? It is... God. <laughs> Who was Sid Ben for six months? Wait. Boo. Oh, I don't know what you did, Boo, but you probably deserved it. Yeah, I think, Demi, you're, you are permanently put in the corner, but I forget what for. We call it the big snack. Um, The big snack is Buck. We don't need <laughs> right? <laughs> Oliver Stark, why are you so attractive? <laughs> We're gonna thank your mama for all that. <laughs> I don't know how he's getting that body on a vegan diet, but I'm impressed. Lady Holder, you're a card carrying member of the Sinbin Hall of Fame. What is she talk? She was she was she was the founding member. What is she talking <laughs> <Right>? about? <laughs> the first person we put in there. Yep. Somebody says, I don't want to be a tattle, but Kira once told Azure she was in the corner forever. <laughs> I probably did. But, so yeah. You're not restricted, of course. There's even like, if you are doing a challenge and it coincides with the Big Moxie and you want to do, like you can do multiple challenges across the board and it all fits together and you can post at the same time and it posts and dates work out. I, I won't care. But if you're participating in like another like bang um, or whatever, they might care if, of you using a fic for more than one challenge. Yeah, we don't care. They might care. But again, if we, we got bingos. And like I've said, I've told people I have no restrict. I only give have restrictions on the bingos about how long I'll give out the cards. You can you can be. Posting yeah, it took me two years to finish my fluff bingo. <laughs> You can be posting those forever. So, you know, if you find a bingo square, or you could find a bingo square on every fucking bingo card, and you know, if you so you could, you could, by the time this happens, there could be, have been four bingo cards by then, and you could have five stories. You know, you'd have five challenges on that one story you post for the little Moxie. More, it's just ruined me. You ruined <laughs> me by pointing that out. I'm not redoing my art. You're gonna have to suck it up. I did it in edit. It's not even saved. Boy, clearly I have to start to over. Look at me. I need to be in the... Did, did Chris just declare that she was innocent? This is the same woman who claims to have been raised by feral leather daddies. <laughs> uh, um, all hell the queen, I guess. I wish I still had that beta. I would screenshot it right now and show you guys. You could insert a blowjob right here. It might be in my email still. Kara carried that advice on because that was advice she then passed on to me. You yeah. Insert a blowjob here. <laughs> I, that was about your workout, though. <laughs> I was true. just trying to help true. you out. <laughs> you could insert a blowjob here. I was like, but I don't want to put a blowjob in there. Oh, yeah, fine. I'll put a blowjob in there. I did wind up putting a blowjob in there, actually. I didn't want to, but I did it. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But yeah, I I think the Big Moxie is going to be a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And um, it's not particularly stressful. But there are some things, of course, that, you know, just I'm not going to link to. Um, I absolutely will not put a link to RPF on um, Riding and Junk. Uh, and of course, if you try to submit pedophilia to me for this challenge... I'm going to ban you everywhere I possibly can. Straight up. Straight up. I realize AO3 will let you post it. 
But I don't want somebody who writes that shit on Rough Trade, much less on Writing Ninja. I don't want to know you if you write that shit. As I... We don't want your girl anyway. <laughs> She's going to sing a song. <laughs> Did I tell you the first time I. This probably shouldn't be recorded. Anyways. <coughs> we, can't, we can't end. The, we have to think, somebody ask a question. We cannot literally end the podcast with me so creepy that oh. <laughs> no. Somebody ask a fucking question, damn it. Age of consent. What about it? Um I, since we're not hosting it, uh I mean sixteen as long as they're not like an adult with an adult. I mean I wouldn't want to see a sixteen year old and a thirty year old because fucking gross well but i i mean i thought was i don't want to i'm not going to police as long as you've warned you as long as we, we said as long as you warned appropriately right but i wouldn't link to like pedophilia or chan or rpf but you need to warn for the other stuff yes if your character is 16 and they're and they're having sex with somebody who's over 18 you need to warn honestly if even if you've got two characters under 18 having sex I think you warn. Need to warn because I actually usually skip people under eighteen. My my hard line is sixteen. I just kind of skip over it. I mean, I'll, I'll read the story, but I skip the sex usually. It's just I just it's not it, it's not an always thing, but most of the time, if the characters are not both eighteen, and also it depends on the author because sometimes, especially in Harry Potter, it's like they're fetishizing emma watson and that's gross well also sometimes authors even when a character is even when the even the age difference is not that even when, actually sometimes even when the character is a, a, ostensibly an adult meaning they've said the character's 18 or they're 17 about to turn 18 or whatever the, the language is off-putting so so such that i know i don't want to read the sex like they'll have you know a, a derrick who's only like three or four years older than styles who's 18 referring to in his head at, to to Styles as the young boy, <sighs> and that kind of language just kind of sets me up for making me think gross. I don't want to read. I don't want to read the sex because it's like if the author is not doing a good job of selling me on the fact that they're making Styles an adult, the young is teen, it like they're the making boy. they are treating him like a young. I mean, teenager. honestly. Even the teen is not an appropriate epithet if you want me to buy into the fact that he's old enough to be fucking a grown man. The teen. You need to be calling him Styles. You know, that would be fine. But the teen, the young teen, the boy, the young boy, all of those epithets are really off-putting if you're trying to convince them. Yeah, don't. Um, yeah. Don't, don't remind me of, of the age of these people. Especially don't age them down in the epithets. That's just blah. Blah. But what we will read and what you warn for, you know, we're not hosting these fix. But like I said, I'm not going to link to that crap pedophilia. I'm just, I'm just not. I know AO3 allows you to post it, but I don't even want to know you if you write it. And I know, right. so, I know that's being judgy, for, but I don't give a fuck. For everything else, as long as it's not pedo, for everything else, as long as you warn appropriately, we'll be on the link list. Except for RPF, just because... I think we got We need to talk about. We could. They could probably be in the AO3 collection, but we won't. Yeah, I mean, I just RPF grosses me out, guys. It's so invasive and weird. Stalkery is a good term. It's just. It's. I don't know. And I know some people 
like think if you know, people have lines about it, like they'll think that like ninety nine percent of RPF is weird, but like this one class of RPF is okay, like bandom is okay. I just I have no or no that line. hockey. Yeah, that hockey's okay, but everything else is. I mean, I don't think you can draw that line. If you're willing to, I it's all for me. It's all. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to objectify real people. So just let's leave real people out of my fiction. Thank you. I mean, right? R, RP, I used historical to be able, fiction. I, mean, I used to be figures. Yes, historical figures is fine. But I used to be able to put like a you know, an Oprah or somebody in as a in doing an interview in a story. But now even I want to just use original, create original yeah. characters because it's starting to squick me. And that's I use Larry Kang, King and Ellen DeGeneres in what might have been. And I've been thinking about rewriting it and changing the names. Yeah, it just kind of it kind of freaks me out sometimes because I'm like, well, now because because the whole RPF thing is just sort of like it didn't used to bother me to use characters in their appropriate context. Like, right, because I did use them in context. It's just now it's weird. It gets weirder and weirder as people get more and more bizarre about RPF. It's like, mm. yeah, they do do some really ugly stuff in RPF too. Um, things that that look more like threats than fiction. So, Asteropi, I understand, I actually can understand the argument that was being made there with that, which is that people used to write WWFRPF because they were characters, not people. I actually understand the argument that's being made with that in particular. I don't agree with it, but I can at least understand because that is a persona that he's wearing. Right. Um, not real people. And that because those characters in the WWF, they're doing things that those real people often would dream of doing. Um so I get the rationale behind why for some people that would feel different. It's still a hard no for me, but at least I can understand why people would make that argument. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I, I can, at least that's one of the few arguments for this one's different that I can get the logic behind, but I still am. A, it's still a hard no for me. Whenever I mention my distaste about RPF, I get an email from somebody recommending me an RPF. The last time yeah. it was um, a David Hewlett, Joe Flanagan fic. Uh, at, no. Hell to the fuck no. I mean, honestly, people would get further with me. With They wouldn't get anywhere. But it would go further if it was people I was completely unfamiliar with, like sports figure or something like that. But to, to send me stuff about actors of the shows I watch, hell no. That's, that's the furthest thing that I want to read. Because the funny thing is I actually have gotten... Um, inadvertently read RPF because it was, um, this was before the AO3 days, because it was actors or sports figures or people I didn't know that was real people. I had right. no idea. Somebody recommended a story and I read it and I went, well, that was interesting. Um, I've never, what what show is this? And then people said, oh, no, that's a real whatever, you know, sports person. That's the, that's the actors who were in this British TV show. And I'm like, you sent me something about a real person? Oh, my God. So, um, I always like I've been tricked into. I think it's okay to mention real people in your fic, you know, like just, but to use them as characters, it gets, it, it can get hinky really quick. I think it depends on the context, how much you're using them. Um, if you're using them, if they, if they're rising to the level of even a tertiary character, I think it's a big no for me. Um, tertiary characters can have dialogue. You need to understand if they're just like, met in passing like it's just a teammate like somebody mentioned styles on a hockey team if it's just a mention of a famous person he's on a team with and they have an occasional line of dialogue 
that probably wouldn't put me off. But if he's interacting with them, going over to their house, hanging out, that's that's love, rising to the level of tertiary or secondary character, and it's a no. I was reading a Bucket of Eddie fic, and they go to the beach, and Bruce Willis shows up on the beach. And uh, Eddie's apparently a huge ass fan of Bruce Willis, but he, <laughs> he can't make himself go ask for an autograph, so Buck Guzzin does it for him. <laughs> And Bruce like, hey, Eddie. <laughs> As he's signing whatever Buck produced for him to sign. And um, I don't have the link. I'm sorry. I read a lot on AO3 when it comes I to Buck and Eddie. I find that kind of cute. But it was really cute. And it was just a quick thing, you know. And then they, they went about their business and didn't bother him. You know, he's just so out Bruce there on the beach. So Bruce sitting down and having lunch with them. And... Yeah, no. It was just okay. a. It was just a. It was just an autograph. Autograph, yeah. Buck, Buck being Buck. And Buck being Buck. Hey, Eddie. <laughs> I can picture it, too. <laughs> the wave and everything. But that was it. Yeah, and that, that, that kind of thing doesn't bother me. Um, it's when, it's when you know, if they'd done it where the Eddie Bruce Willis came in, sat down, had a burger with them, and they all were chatting over lunch, and it was like, oh, you guys are, you know, both really attractive. You should be extras in our, my next movie. I'd be like, okay, we've crossed yeah. my we've, we've We've exceeded my limits. Okay, so we've gotten far enough away from my impromptu singing about we can now end the podcast. <laughs> You're sure? I'm sure. I hope, that, I hope that you guys join us next year for our various writing challenges and that you find something about one of them or all of them that inspires you. Um, we are just six, seven days out from the end of October. Uh, and then we're going to be moving into National Novel Writing Month. And we've got a lot of people signed up. 45 people have signed up for our 10th, our 10th anniversary of Rough Trade. And um, it's going to be great. And those of you who have not done your project files, you officially have about 30 hours to do it. You'll, you'll get an email today from me if you have not completed it. So <clears throat> I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The whole thing. So you've got a week, a little, but you've got about eight days left to sign up for the Quantum Bang. You've got a little over a day to get your Rough Trade project files done. And you've got a lot of time to think about all this moxie. I'm not saying it. <laughs> Jillian, you need to get over it. I can't. I can't. You put it in my head. <laughs> well, what that I will help, say right? is that... We're going to start signups for the Big Moxie on December 1st. Yeah, so keep an eye. There is a channel in, um, there's already a channel for the Big Moxie on uh, Just Right. It's under Challenges and Offsite. It's right below the Rough Trade group. So if you want to start talking about it, you can. There are no secrecy provisions about the Big Moxie. So you can go over there and start, you can start now, even though we're not signed up. But there is already a group over there. So you can leverage it if you want to be. Here's the thing about signing up for the Quantum Bang or the Big Moxie is that you can sign up and there's no penalty if you don't make it. If you sign up for the Quantum Bang today, right now, this minute, and you write your ass off and you don't meet the first deadline and you're not going to be for next year, okay? You just keep writing because come, to, cause come August, you can sign up again and still use that book that you've been writing. You're done. You you finished. You're you're ready to go. So don't stress it. I mean, we have one person who has signed up every year, and they're still working on the same project. 
There is no penalty. I am enthused that they are continuing to make progress on this project, and I hope that they will eventually cross the finish line. I have faith that they will because they are determined, and it doesn't hurt me at all to do their sign-up every year. Now, I do accept it's not necessary to drop out of the quantum bang. It's never necessary. If you don't submit, you're effectively dropped out. You sign up again the next year with the same project you had before. I won't know one way or the other. I want you to be happy, not stressed out. But I will take your dropout if it reduces your stress. We will not take dropouts for the Big Moxie. It's too much hassle for a low-key challenge. If you don't submit anything, you don't submit anything. We don't have check-ins. There are no check-ins. There are, like, there's no requirements for uh, any of that. We have a challenge for if you want to hang out with people doing it, that's cool. Um, you just got to post between the posting dates, and that's it. And give us a link. You had to write 5K that meets the challenge and post between those dates and file out a teeny tiny little blurb when you're ready, you know, and tell us that you got your shit done. So that's it. So, um, but expecting us to, if you know, we like I said, because of the quantum bang, I accept dropouts because it reduces the other person's stress. It reduces their stress to officially withdraw from the challenge, and that's fine. Like I said, it's, you're not doing it for my benefit. You're doing it for your own. As far as I'm concerned, if you don't turn your story in, you got dropped. That's, and, and that's you all can I care about. Sign up later. But when it comes to the Big Moxie, it is just too much overhead to try to keep track of that kind of thing. So we won't be taking dropouts. If, if it's stressing you out, the fact that you signed up and you know you're not going to submit anything, you just need to figure out how to deal with that stress. <laughs> <laughs> just suck it up, Buttercup. It'll be okay. Save it for next year. <laughs> or the year after that. Well, Susan, we should, we should, we should talk because um, I'm, I'm surprised because I'm surprised because we have some stuff that's pretty far off of what most people would consider like a canon. Because it's not strict canon divergence. So if you're thinking it has to be strict canon divergence, it doesn't. I write, I've often written strict canon divergence, but I'm I'm a lot stricter with myself than I would ever expect anybody else to be with this. So if you need to, if you need to talk out an idea, you just poke me. Just don't poke me hard. I'm delicate. These people are giving me mono out there we can't for starters for starters get your shit done is somebody else's tagline for their challenge so we would never appropriate it <coughs> i would never appropriate somebody else's tagline or is it finish your shit it's finish your shit is that that work in progress challenge yeah finish your shit mm. is there is their tagline okay well in this podcast i uh i hope that you guys are thinking about signing up and you got some ideas coming and signing up hurts nothing. Personal goals are good for you. You're welcome, Chris. There's a very, there's a very um, telling, um, telling preposition in that sentence, Azure. The word at. Yeah. Well, now that we've finished our lecture on, I don't even know what to call it. I can't think of a damn thing for you to tell your mom as. <laughs> Well, we were clearly lecturing about digestive health. <laughs> yeah, but her mom thinks I'm a religious scholar. <laughs> well, religious people need fiber too. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I hope you guys. 
fantastic week and that um we look we look forward to seeing you guys in challenge and if you're participating in rough trade you need to take your ass over to rough trade site and fill out your fucking project file don't make me email you um say good night jilly good night everyone